0: Okay, this week's parsha is Parshas Mishpatim. Parshas Mishpatim, the most famous, famous, um, famously known for the um all the nitty gritty details of most of the monetary laws in the Torah. That's what's um the pro- the predominant uh, theme of this week's parsha. This week's Torah portion tucked into the end, right at the end of the parasha, tucked right in there, there is the famous, um, there is the famous, there is the, sorry about that, there is the famous, the famous um, words that the Jews said to Hashem, the words of Nasa v'nishma. The two words Nasa v'nishma are the two. One of the probably of the two most famous words that we have heard since we were in Diverse Nasa v'nishma. The Jews. A lot of people think it happened in last week's parsha, but really it's tucked in at the very end of this week's Torah portion. When the Jews say Hashem, we will do And we will hear all of your words So just, I would be remiss If I didn't mention that that was um, In the end of this week's Torah portion Okay, so there are Numerous amounts Numerous amounts of Different halachos different mitzvahs, positive commandments, negative commandments that are all discussed in this week's Torah portion. In fact, there are tractates, some of the tractates, most of the tractates that are studied um, in great depths in the yeshiva system. Most of these are all based upon the verses, the psukim in this week's Torah portion. You can spend six or seven years learning the Talmud, learning the Gemara based on this week's Torah portion. Okay? So we, we can now um, try to talk about different ideas if we were to choose to speak about a specific commandment here or a specific commandment there. Right? Which, which one would we choose? Right? So if we have time, we can highlight a few of them at the end. But I want to go very general. I want to go back scale back a little bit, let's talk generally, very general, in very general terms about the, again, like we wrote in the title, the monetary laws in Judaism, the place of monetary laws. So right away, before we, before we uh, lose anyone, I'm not going to tell you now you have to give all your money to charity. Don't worry. It's a commandment. It's a mitzvah, but that's not what we're talking about in Torah thought. In Torah theology, we're not discussing the the what you should be doing with your money. Rather, we're going to discuss the outlook of your relationship with your money. What? How we relate to money? How we relate to our jobs? How do we relate to right making money? How we relate to spending money? All these type of things in a very broad, generalized. Um, Atmosphere, generalized um, um, process. So, just to start off, I would like to share with you a Ramban. There is a Ramban, right? English, I think they translate it as Nachmanides, but he was, he was a Ramban. He's one of the, the most, he was one of the, the greatest um, commentaries on the Torah as well as the Talmud and other places, but, and Halakha. But in the in the Torah, he's one of the, the, the greatest commentaries on the Chumash. And later on, in the end of the parasha, in, in chapter 24, verse 1, he talks, he wrote something very interesting. He says, this passage, I'll just read it in English, English translation. This passage was said to Moshe before the Ten Commandments were given on the 4th of Siva. It doesn't be fascinating. He says the whole parsha, the whole, the whole, um, the whole parsha, this whole Torah portion of all the monetary laws was all given when, given before the Ten Commandments it was given at Harasinai at Mount Sinai before the Ten Commandments, and he quotes the a quote from Rashi. It says Rashi. So it says that the verse says hashem said to moses ascend to me on the mountain and remain here and rashi says this was said to moses after the given of the torah Gam these two are the words of rashi and he goes on and he argues on rashi but basically there's a famous concept in the torah that not everything in the torah is written in chronological order okay there's a concept in the torah in Hebrew, we call it "ein muktam Torah. There is nothing in the Torah that is that is defined before and after the other any other story chronologically. So, but however, the Ramban explains very clearly that there's always is a very clear motive for the Torah to move something out of order. So, although. There is no guarantee from this placement in the Torah that it is in chronological order. What we can be certain is that if the Torah does move it out of the chronological order, it is most certainly for a specific reason, and there's something we can learn from it. So says the Ramban, there is a very clear reason for the Torah to tell us these laws before, I'm sorry, it's a very clear reason for the Torah to tell us these laws after. okay. So now the question is, why are these laws so important? Why were they so important, important enough that the Torah has to tell us before before the commandments were given, before the Ten Commandments? It's almost as if they're more important or more pertinent information than the Ten Commandments themselves, which is fascinating if you think about it. Ten Commandments, everyone knows the Ten Commandments. God came down with this. All the fire and the smoke and the and, and the and the thunder and the lightning and the whole to do, and yeah, here we find out that these monetary laws were all given before. What, what what why what's what's so important about it? What can be so important about monetary laws? Why so? What's the significance? Anyone have any suggestions for me? I know everyone's muted, but if anyone has any. Suggestions. I'm, we're always open for suggestions.
1: Isn't that the question that you're asked?
0: Amazing. Very good. Wow. Wow. You're really amazing. Couldn't have said it better myself, except I'm going to spend 20 minutes saying it instead of 10 seconds. Very good.
1: That's because I'm an experienced teacher and I understand <laughs> the brevity is <laughs> <tantamized> <laughs> important. Amazing.
0: Yes, yes. So Leslie, you nailed it. You hit the nail on that. We're going to discuss it. And now, as my, I remember when I was a, 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 a bar mitzvah boy. So we used to go to all the different bar mitzvah of all the classmates, and there was a famous, Rav is a famous Rav and very large shoe, and he gets up there, and as a 13-year-old it struck me as very odd, but he was clearly trying to make a very funny joke, and he gets up there, and he says, so I will now start speaking and as only an experienced speaker can do, I will take a two-minute story and expand it and deliver it for 45 minutes straight. That was his introduction. And I was like, huh? Why would he do that? But <laughs> anyways, that was his, his joke. But the idea that Leslie brought up is is, is basically going to be the framework of how we're going answer to the, answer the question. And I didn't make this up. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein of blessed memory, the great leader of of the world, the great leader of American Jewry in the mid to late 1900s and of the world. He poses this question in his Sefer Jerash Moshe, his, um, his book on Chumash. And he says the most powerful, fascinating, amazing um, thought that, can I, that, that, that that you can imagine. He says like this, He says living a person's life with the proper um, um, value system when it comes to money is akin to living your life with emuna and belief and faith in Hashem. Living your life without a proper, um, without the, or not following the proper value system of the Torah with with regards to monetary law is akin is tantamount to heresy, to to fear. And that is like, wow, oh my goodness. This is like, just like, wow. It's like, you just made, Hira Moshe Feinstein just made everything very black and white over here. He basically says that if you deal honestly in business, you're, you're believing in Hashem. If you don't deal honestly in business, you are, you're a heretic. It seems pretty intense. Okay. So maybe we're going to try to move it around a little bit, try to explain it with clarity. However, the, the, in Hebrew we call it the yisod, the, the, I say that in English, the main crux of his discussion, the main crux of his, his point that we have to just remember very clear. When we have the proper attitude to money, it's it's It's, emunah, it's belief in Hashem. It's faith in Hashem. We don't have the proper attitude to money that is almost akin or tantamount to heresy. So Joel, you had a question? You have to unmute yourself. Don't forget. Well, try again. Um, when Hashem brought the flood, people were, dis, were, were disrespecting each other and they were stealing a pruta. They were stealing money from each other but little bits at a time. And and there was evidence that they didn't respect each other or other people's property rights. And I think that's in evidence there. Amazing. So I just want to share a beautiful thought based on what Joel was saying. It ties into the whole theme. Uh, the basic idea, my brother-in-law, who gave Musarvad last week, which then heard us so beautifully on the it, 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 he somehow something was wrong with the with the mic or something. No one heard anything he said. But he's a beautiful speaker, wonderful speaker, and usually we could hear him. And he says a different time. He said over something very nice. He says, imagine you have a kid who needs a... a, a He has different examples, but he takes a shortcut. He needs to get to a certain place. He takes a shortcut through mechel's mango patch so he has mechel's mango field or you can make up any name that has the same letter um michael's mango patch and he takes a shortcut through his patch and on the way he steps and he crushes one mango right looks around and he sees and there's hundreds of mangoes there mangoes grow on trees i know Please, I'm just making up a story. Don't nitpick on the fact that mangoes don't go on the ground. Let's pretend mangoes go on the ground, okay? So he steps... Fine, change it. Melons. Melons go on the ground, right? And melons start with an M. So melons. So mechel's melons. And he jumps. He steps on one melon. He looks around. There's a hundred melons. He says, meh. Not a big deal. And he continues on. And then his friend sees him and says, Noah, I also wanted a shortcut to mechel's melon patch so he goes and he stomps through and he also steps on a melon he looks around and he sees there's a lot of melons left right and as they continue to go further and further more people climb through it eventually as you can imagine the melon patch has no more melons in them because every kid crushes one melon and think about it anytime. A, a, a child just looks around and says, "There, eh, what's the big deal? It's just one little thing. But little things, they add up. Every little thing adds up to a big thing. And that's what Joel was bringing up, which is we think sometimes, in the times of the, the great flood by Noah, we think sometimes that eh, it's just a penny, it's just a quarter, it's just a thing. He's for sure going to forgive me. He's not going to be busy. But so, we have to remember that every little thing adds up. And if it does add up at the end of the day, that means the first melon or the first penny also is valuable because if the first one's nothing, then the second one becomes the first one because the first one's zero. So clearly, if the, first, if the second one is the second one, the first one has some value to it. We always have to remember that every little thing adds up. Okay, that's beautiful. I appreciate that, Joel, that you're bringing that up. Okay, let's get back to us. So there's like, now we're gonna go back to what Leslie brought up. A beautiful thought, there's a Gemara. And I'm gonna, just 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 in case anyone knows, the Gemara says that we get up to the next world. There's a Gemara is in Shabbos um, Lamed, Va, Lamed Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, so it's Shabbos um, tw- 31a. So I, actually I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'm just gonna grab one, one second. Maybe, even, sorry, maybe we can even read it inside. So before I read it inside, the Gemara tells us that everyone in this world, whoever lived and ever will live, will get called up to the heavenly throne. You know what happens when you get called up to the heavenly throne? They're going to ask you a bunch of questions. Does anyone know how many questions they're going to ask you? So if anyone wants to say anything, you can unmute yourself because I can't hear you. Sorry. I believe it's three, rabbi. You know, it's very interesting. I also thought so. And then I checked it up and I realized that there's more than three. I'm trying to find it one second. Anyone else? Anyone? You can just give a wild guess As you know it's more than three. Um and I can't find it.
1: You only have to answer three unless your attorney is with you, Steve. (laughs) Let me make that clear.
0: That's funny. Um, I'm trying to find that. I don't know. I can't find it. Either way, they ask you six questions in the next one. They ask you six questions. Does anyone know what the first first question is. the first question is probably the most famous one how do you
1: deal how did you deal in business
0: well that's the one we're going to talk about i'm glad you you guessed that, that one
1: is that the first one or i don't is think it's do the first one. Your fellow I, I, man
0: these are all good the, the first question they ask you is were you kuveya itim latara did you set aside um time did you designate time to study Torah every day um I don't know why I can't find it. But either way, I'm not going to waste anyone's time. So I can't find it inside, but it's there. Um, and it says as follows. One of the questions I can ask you is, like Steve mentioned, did you deal honestly in business? That's the very, very loose English English translation. However, in the Gemara words, it says, the question will be as follows. Haim, did you nasan or nasa I don't remember which order, be Did you, nasa means like deal or carry, deal, ben did you give, so basically did you give and take, did you deal? Be emuna. can literally be translated in good faith. Did you deal in business with good faith? And the mefarshim they ask of Pam. We, we mentioned of Pam many times in the Parsha class. Of Pam was the, 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 the Rosh Hashiva of Torvadas. He was raised in America in, in the early um, 1900s. And he grew to be one of the greatest leaders of the American Jewry. And he, he asks this question. He says, why does the Gemara use the word emuna in good faith? In English, it actually translates very nicely as "in good faith," because we use the words "in good faith" as in "are you honest in business." However, in Hebrew, it seems like a very interesting word. You could have said, "Did you deal be um, righteousness yashrut with righteousness, tzedek?" You could use the word of of emes. Did you deal with truth? All these different words the Gemara you could have chosen, yet the Gemara chooses the word emuna. Amunah. Why Amunah? Amunah, we all know, means having belief in Hashem, having confidence that Hashem is taking care of us and running the world, and having confidence that Hashem is in charge. So, why does the Gemara use that word? So, now we can go back and plug in the questions we had before about Har Sinai, and we can explain based on this whole idea from Rabbi Feinstein or Moshe Feinstein, which is as follows. When a person, God gives us a framework of different monetary laws, okay? And it can technically be plugged into any civil laws as well, any civil, any an American um, code of law. It doesn't really make any difference. However, the, the right, Hashem's rules are eternal. Hashem's rules come from God. The Torah comes from God. And when we listen to God's rules, we're listening to Hashem. We're listening to the Torah. When we're listening to the American laws, we're, we're doing the right thing. And we're, we're living in society in the proper way. It doesn't tell us anything about how our relationship with God is per se. Obviously there's an aspect of desecrating God's name and we don't want to desecrate God's name so we have to deal honestly for that alone. But just before as, as nothing to do with that just purely based on the fact that the Torah tells us very clear framework of what belongs to you what belongs to someone else. What you can charge someone for, what you cannot charge someone for, right? The Torah tells us that you cannot charge someone interest. Interest seems like a very doesn't seem any doesn't. I can't figure out what is immoral, what is bad about charging interest, unless you happen to hate big banks. But if you don't, I mean, most of the way, most of us took out a mortgage for a house, if not for interest, you probably would. I don't know. Most of us wouldn't have been able to afford. I mean, I don't own a house yet. But one day, I'm going to probably take out a mortgage, and it doesn't seem like anything too crazy for me. I don't can't imagine why that's so terrible. But the Torah says that's that's not what we do. We don't we don't we don't we don't um, borrow or lend with with interest, and that's it. We listen to the Torah. So the Torah gives us a very f- clear framework of what we can do, or what we cannot do when we deal honestly in business and we follow the Torah's laws, what we're telling Hashem is I respect and I understand, I acknowledge and I understand that any penny and every single dollar that you want me to have, that I deserve, I will get regardless. Because since Hashem is in control, He can dictate. And if I try to cut corners and not follow hashem's laws and i do something that's against the torah's monetary laws i'm telling hashem basically you know hashem i think i can outsmart you i think i can beat the system and if you think about it in those terms that sounds a little bit very very eerily similar to heresy i'm basically telling god you think i deserve this much money and I think I deserve to get that much money. And therefore, I'm not going to follow your laws. And I'm going to go a different way. And I'm going to charge this guy interest. Even though you told me not to. If we understand that God controls the world, we have to understand that any penny that God wants us to have, we will get. Any penny God doesn't want us to have, we won't get. And the, the obvious question you can ask is, well, what happens when a guy does cut corners and he doesn't make his twenty thousand dollars on the deal even though he cut corners so the answer is in life in this world it's very confusing we think that we couldn't have gotten the money otherwise however we will never know because god can say well i would have given you the money in a kosher way but since you chose to get it this way you can keep it this way so we we have all these Pardon me?
1: Why do, why do the Jewish people have such a bad reputation when it comes to money when this is so clear in the Torah
0: that, that's a very very loaded question it's a very loaded question I'll tell you why it's a very loaded question because you're asking I believe twofold you're asking why do some Jews do bad things and I can't answer that question because I try to do good things most of the time probably I, well, I try all the time so I can't answer for other people who are not righteous and why do non-Jews um, give us a bad, bad reputation well there's a lot of answers to that. And again, it's a loaded question, but we get a better reputation for a lot of things, right? You ever picked up a New York times in the last few months. Yeah. But
1: money is money is always the key. You know, you follow the money, you get the real story. So it's always, you know, money's in there somehow. Oh. And it's just surprising because it's so clear in the Torah, you know, and I'm talking about from Jews too, that this is, uh, it's just surprising to me.
0: So, you know what Robbie Miller used to say? I mean, Miller, I mean, Victor Miller who was one of the greatest, um, mm-hmm. I wonder, I'm not going to call him a philosopher, but greatest uh, Jewish thinkers of the 1900s. He said it in very powerful answer. Someone asked him basically the same question. And he basically said, well, in his trademark way, well, if <laughs> someone is stealing money or someone is not being honest in business, I would hardly call him a religious Jew. So exactly. that's yeah. basically what he said. So he yeah. said, well, you're telling me that religious Jews are stealing money. Well, he just maybe wears a kippah, but who says he, like, why is it, what makes him religious? I mean, obviously that's, that's a very um, sharp answer, but basically it's like, just hold your horses, take a break, take a breath. Everyone has shortcomings. Some people don't keep Shabbos and other people don't keep monetary laws and some people who, who cheating on taxes keeping shabbos and the learning torah and some people who are very honest in taxes don't keep shabbos and and let's not point fingers that's that's i think maybe kind of what he was trying to say he said we all have our shortcomings and let's work on ourselves and not look at others now yes there is greater um when a guy steals 100 billion dollars from every single famous organization in the world and you have and and it's called a instead of a ponzi scheme it's almost like called a bernie madoff scheme yes that's a lot more dramatic than yes it's much worse but at the end of the day at the end of the day yeah not everyone's perfect and and we as jews are are held in a higher standard and and yeah that that's something we have to do our part we have to do our part to be honest we have to do our part to be righteous and worry about ourselves that's that's again this is a little bit of a side point i do i do it's way very loaded question i'm not going to answer the question
1: go for it so uh <clears throat> I, I know there's this whole thing about kosher money and uh, where the money comes from so money that comes from nefarious activities such as gambling is that considered to be kosher
0: money um that, that's again that's a little that's a little bit of a loaded question well it's- i'm because i on one
1: aspect, I see yes, and on the other aspect, I see no.
0: Right? No. Yeah, you're right. There, there are a lot of, a lot of, it's a lot of gray area because you can look at certain. I, I'm assuming when you mean kosher money, by by what you mean by that is, is as a different institutions will or of Torah institutions or schools will only take money from certain people, certain places, and they'll reject money from, like you said, not kosher places. I'm assuming that's other what you're referring to, right? Will take money from anybody. And other places will take money from anybody. So uh, there's a lot of, it, it goes very deep because it, it, it's way beyond the scope of our conversation. Because we tra- I was just trying to talk about personal, personal uh, accountability to our own actions and you're touching upon the, the general uh, how you say it, the, the community aspect of it and the, how the community looks at money and whether or not the community is allowed to say no to and what level of what level of non-kosher money can we say no to or because there are organizations that wouldn't take money from from I mean different organizations that that we sustain our, our institutions from I don't want to say any names I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But you can imagine, right? Different famous organizations, right? They would not, they would not take money from institutions that, that stand for things that are against the Torah and they wouldn't take money from them. They just won't. And, and again, th- these, are, these are things that are, that are definitely not halakha. They're definitely not in the law. It's not a, it's not a Torah law thing. It's more of a hashkafa, Torah thought, theology but this is again if you want to have a discussion about this in, in great depth um, at a different time not during the class it's definitely lots of material on this but, but i don't i don't think this is this can this is i don't think we can answer this during the class how about that so we're going to leave it at that but they, these are these are huge great um um suggests, as we call it great topics okay so where were we? Okay, fine. So we're basically talking about the idea that when we when we deal in business in a proper way, I'm sorry, when we deal business in an improper way, it's basically telling Hashem that you think that you can give us money and we're saying, you know what? Nah, nah. We can do it ourselves. We don't need you. We're happy. We, we can do it ourselves. Um, so basically, basically... Um, we have to remember that Hashem tells us on Rosh Hashanah that your designated amount of money comes to you and you'll get what you get and you won't get what you won't get. You won't get what you don't deserve and there's really no wiggle room around it. If you think you're taking your money from this way, Hashem is going to give it to you anyways. And there you go to my question about the mailman or about the post office. So here you have a guy. There's a whole long story. I don't think it's a real story. I think it's a parable. So I see we're running a little bit late. So we're just going to cut to the chase and say basically there's this guy who had this wealthy, wealthy cousin in America. He lived in Erics' straw and he was poor, poor, poor. And every month the relative sent him a check in the mail for whatever it was, a $500 check in the mail. And he used to be amazing. He used to thank him, whole thing, whole story. We're just going to skip all the details. And basically the punchline is one day he comes He's waiting for the mail on, on Rosh Chodesh, or whatever the day of the month it was. He was waiting for the mail and there's no mail. And he's like, oh, but I'm supposed to be getting my money. and He's all upset. He can't pay rent. This and that. doesn't what to do. Second day of the month, no mail. Maybe the mailman went on strike. He doesn't know. Um, anyways, third day of the month, he's going frantic. He doesn't know what to do. He's so desperate. He knows his cousin's going to send him the money. Maybe something happened. So he, what does he do? He climbs into the post office. He breaks in. He digs through all the sacks of mail. And he's moving around. And lo and behold, he finds the letter. Tucked somewhere. and got lost somewhere. And it says his name on it. And he grabs it. Runs out. Runs home. Opens it up. Sure enough, there's this check. $500. Not a moment too soon. Lights and sirens outside his house. Ooh. Please come to his door they caught him on video the whole scene all on video they catch him and he says you gotta go to jail you burglarized burglary when you make up armed robber i don't know whatever happened you can make up any fancy charges and you gotta go to jail and he says but he didn't steal anything and they said i'm sorry you committed a crime you stole from the post office we have it all on video um, your case is basically sealed. He says, but the letter I took was mine. And they say, I'm sorry, you're stealing from a post office. And basically, the way it works is, if you go and break into a post office and you steal a check, a $500, $500 check, you stole a letter from the post office, even if it's addressed to you. That's what they told them. Again, you could ask a lawyer. It could be I'm wrong. But that's what they told him. And it's a parable anyways. So if it didn't happen in America, we could move it to Israel. And in Israel, for sure, that's the law. So basically, the idea is that the same letter, if he would have waited an extra day, it would have been his. If he would have chosen not to break the law, the letter would have been rightfully his. The final job would have been his in a kosher way. Yet, he couldn't resist and he chose to take the money in a not way. He chose to steal the money, so to speak. And he claims that the money belongs to him. So Hashem is telling us the same thing. You think you can go and outsmart the system? If you take it from the post office, if you take it in a crooked way, that's stealing. It's an avera. And if you think you can beat the system and you can get extra money... It's like taking the letter from the post office. It's going to come to you anyways. If you do things properly and you deal with money in a proper way, God will give you whatever you deserve. And if you don't, you may get the money. But God says, well, if you take the money your way, I'm deducting it from the kosher right. So that's the basic generalized idea, the generalized lesson in this week's parasha about monetary law. So we're t- tons of different... Um, nitty-gritty laws of, of, of how we deal with money. But the general theme is that when we deal with money in a kosher way, it's the exact opposite. We deal money in a kosher way, what are we doing? We're telling Hashem, I trust in you. I believe in you. I trust that you're going to give me whatever I need. And I don't have to do anything crazy. I don't have to go and, and cheat or do whatever. Because I know that Hashem is going to take care of me. I believe, I have 100% full confidence that Hashem is going to take care of me. And that's why I don't have to do anything different. I don't have to go against the rules because Hashem's is going to take care of me. And that's the basic idea. On the one hand, when we deal with, with uh, honestly in business and we deal honestly in, in, in whatever it may be, we will be basically, we're telling Hashem, we're giving Him an act of, We're showing him in leap of faith, so to speak, that we believe in him. That we believe that he runs the world and he takes care of us. And when we don't, when we don't follow the laws, we're showing Hashem that we somehow, we think we can change. We can beat the system and we can overpower his will. And that is why it's so important that Hashem puts these these monetary laws before the, the Harsinai, before the Ten Commandments, before the Ten Commandments. These are so important. The tenets of Judaism. Follow, we have to follow the monetary laws. Obviously, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about that we can't mess up once in a while by mistake. I'm talking about the, the mindset, the mindset of just trying to follow and understand that everything we have is from Hashem. And if we try to beat the system, it, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm just going to end off with a few, a few amazing stories. I was going to talk about widows and orphans because it's also in this week's Torah portion, but I'm definitely not going to have time, so I apologize for that. Um, however, I wanted to share a few beautiful stories. There's one beautiful story just about doing the right thing. About doing the right thing. There was this guy. His name was, I think, his name was Baruch Friedman. Maybe this name was made up. But the story is, is, a, is a good is a, is a true story. There's this guy. He was a very very successful um, nursing home owner. He owned a bunch of nursing homes in, in New York, and one day he he uh, he was doing his his captain and him were doing taxes, and they realized that that he they overpaid they overpaid the IRS hundred thousand dollars, overpaid taxes hundred thousand dollars. So they sent in the taxes, whatever it is. And they get a check in the mail for one hundred thousand dollars, right? he got his money back. The problem was two days later, he got a duplicate check, a second check, one hundred thousand dollars from the mint, from the guy from the from the, IRS, from the IRS. Okay, almost like winning the lottery, right? So he schmoozes with his accountant back and forth, and his accountant tells him, you know, I, the IRS do a lot of audits on taxes and tax forms. But they'll never know if you cash the second check because that's not something they ever do audits on. They never do audits on their payouts because the payouts, they're always, they're always good. The, the chances of them doing mistakes are very, very, very it's a bit, it's a fluke. It's, they're not going to check. They're not going to, they're not going to figure it out. So you know what? You could almost guarantee you could keep the money. Don't worry about it. They're not going to find out, okay? I'm not an accountant. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if this is true or not. This is the story. Okay? I don't know. I assume that it's true. Anyways, so the point is, the guy is hemming and hawing. Mr. Friedman is hemming and hawing. He doesn't know what to do. $100,000, a lot of money. And he says, you know what? Give me a minute. I'm going to call you back. I have to speak to someone. Okay? So he, he goes out, hangs up the phone. He calls up his accountant after five minutes. He tells his accountant, you know, I spoke to my business partner. He told me, he told me, I shouldn't take it. I shouldn't cash the check. I should return the check. So he's a His says, business partner? Since, since when do you have a business partner? I thought you were, um, you were the head of the business by yourself. I think I had a business partner. So he tells him, Mr. Friedman tells him, no, you don't understand. I have a business partner. My business partner is Hashem, is God, God himself. And anytime I have any issues and questions in my business, I always ask Hashem what to do. And this time, Hashem told me, to, don't take the money. And I just, he was talking to me, and I was just smoozing with myself. I was talking to Hashem, and I, and I just can't take the money. I couldn't take it, and he gave it back. And it's stealing, it's stealing. No one's going to find out about it. Not gonna make it to the news. It's not gonna be a Chilu HaShem. Yet I still can't take the money. Beautiful story. I want to share with you one more story about just the opposite of how when we sometimes when we do the right thing, it, it it's actually is in our benefit. It seems very difficult sometimes, however, it can actually be to our benefit. It's not actually technically, it's not about monetary laws, but it's a beautiful story, anyways. Okay, my father just told me this story before. And he said it in the name of, of Milo Biederman. He's a famous uh, speaker in Israel. He speaks in Yiddish. So most of you probably have never heard him speak. However, they type out his, article, his, his speeches and they translate his articles in English. And they're called Torah Wellsprings. And you might see them in the shuls here. So he said over a fascinating story. Because so there's this person who lived in Israel and he was trying to get a mortgage, I think. A mortgage or a loan. Um, and he was had a meeting with this mortgage broker. And he was having problems back and forth. And this mortgage broker was supposed to help him and take care of his mortgage. And he needed this meeting. This was his last chance. If, if this guy didn't work out, he would, he would be done for it. He would never be able to get his mortgage. And this meeting... Was scheduled for 4:30 p.m. by the bank, and I know in America you would never have this because banks are closed by 4:30. But apparently in Israel the banks are open 4:30. Maybe he had a TD Bank account. I think TD banks are open till five. Anyways, so the 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 problem is he wakes up at 3:30 in the afternoon, 3:45, and he realizes that he forgot. To daven Mincha. Normally he daven Mincha at four thirty, five 5 o'clock. But now he wasn't going to be able to make it because he had his meeting. So he quickly runs to the minion factory, the little I don't know they don't have them in St. Louis, but the round the clock minion where they have every minion every 15 minutes. But lo and behold, just his luck, four o'clock. He walks in there. There's two or three people there. No minion. Doesn't know what to do. He's waiting for five, for 10, three, four, ten, 6 people show up, seven people show up. And It's 415. And finally at 420, 418, 420, the 10th man shows up. And this guy pipes up and says, I am a khiot. I have yard site today. I have a yard site for my father. And he says, um, can you everyone please stand? And this guy is looking at his clock, it's 4 20. He's gonna have to leave in the middle of davening to make his shmenes, to make to the meeting on time. It was only down the block but he had to he had to make the meeting they didn't know what to do and the guy begs of this can you please please just stay till the end of davening so you can be here for the minion so my kaddish at the end of davening can you please stay until the end and not leave early and the he's haranguing you back and forth finally he decides you know what hashem wants me to stay this guy needs his minion for his kaddish and anyways it's not the proper thing to leave early for a minion you Noah, know I'm gonna stay, and Hashem is gonna take care of me. So, lo and behold, he stays till the end of davening. Four thirty-five, davening's over. Boom, like a lightning bolt, he jumps out of the thing. He runs down the block to the bank. He runs in, panting for breath. And lo and behold, as you can imagine from the story, the banker—he's not late. Not only is he not late, the mortgage broker—he wasn't even there yet fascinating he wasn't even there yet two minutes later guess who shows up the mortgage broker and who would you think the mortgage broker was this mortgage broker was none other than the one and only guy who was dominating for the Amman that had a yard sale for his father the guy that he waited 15 minutes to stay until the end of dominating for the last cottage that guy he was the mortgage broker he himself was the mortgage broker. And he sits down and he says, oh, I recognize that you. you are the guy. You're all antsy in your pants So hold on because you near, you were coming to the meeting with me and you stayed. You realized that Hashem is in control. You stayed. And right away, he granted him his mortgage. Obviously, I'm sure he did the financials, but he granted him his mortgage. He said, you are a respectable person. You are someone who has a man of his word right away he gave his mortgage can you imagine that this guy thought that he's sacrificing for Hashem and he's going to lose his whole mortgage but Hashem, maybe hopefully Hashem is going to protect him realize really his salvation was specifically exactly the fact that he did stay that itself was his salvation alrighty have a good Shabbos everyone thank you for listening
1: good story